All right, so back to cutting room floor. We're sort of leaning into some key questions this morning about identity and ethics and who we are, right? Who is the human person? Is the human person this essentially good being, mm -hmm. essentially bad, somewhere in between? Yeah. How do we make sense of that, right? In our culture, we want to say, or I've heard people say a hundred times, like, well, you did this bad thing, but deep down, you're really a good person. Yeah. And it's like, well, maybe. Let's sort of like play with that a little bit. For sure, bit. yeah, yeah. And we were talking about this in light of our conversation and teaching on Sunday on sin. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a lot we can talk about with regards to sin. We yeah. obviously touch on everything on Sunday. Yeah. Um, I think it's just important to recognize that it's a complex topic in the sense that scriptures have a variety of ways of referring to sin, describing sin, yeah. how that merges with yeah. who we are as humans and image bearers of God our discipleship to Jesus. So it's just, there's a lot of moving pieces here. A lot of moving pieces. And trying to simplify it in like a 10, 15 minute podcast, hopefully is helpful, but in the end, we might be leaving a few things out here and there, but yeah. we're trying to boil this down to this conversation on how does this relate to our identity as human beings? It's good. So on one hand, you have kind of maybe asking the question of are humans inherently good mm -hmm. and how does that intersect with our actions? Because yeah. you look out into the world and it doesn't take very long to like read the news or whatever and to recognize that humans do really dumb things, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of brokenness. There's a lot of sin yeah. in the world. But, but are then, there sinners? But are there sinners? And yeah. that's what I think the key, and you hear sure. the nuance and the difference in that yeah. question, right? Are, Versus, is everyone a good person who sins? Like I, I once was talking with someone, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks ago, he said, you know, well, really, it just all comes down to if people just knew more, yeah, they would never do evil. Exactly, and that and that's I think a common assumption, like that. Basically, sin results from ignorance. Ign ignorance, yeah. But is that true? And knowledge from a biblical becomes perspective. salvation. To, yeah. in that in that frame. Yeah. So or, you have to insight. If you get enough insight, and in some some ways this is a therapeutic model, right? If you have enough insight, mm -hmm. then maybe you understand enough that you won't behave these ways. Exactly. Like, well, maybe. But I'm not sure that squares with Jesus' teaching or the scriptures. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's it's what we're trying to get at here is you also have passages that for sure we need to keep in mind. We're all made in the image of God, human beings. Absolutely. Right? Psalm 8 has this beautiful poem talking about, you know, what is man that you're mindful of them? You made him a little lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. Mm. So there's passages in scripture that describe, you know, humanity as these beautiful creatures that yeah. God has created that loves and adores. And at the same time, you have passages like Jesus has a story in the Gospels in the book of Matthew where he says it's out of the heart, the mouth speaks, and you know things like adultery and murder and the way we talk, all these evil things come from the inside of us, from our hearts. Paul will say in Ephesians 2 that humanity is, apart from Jesus, dead in their trespasses and sins. Uh, he also makes comments in like Romans 5 where because of what Adam had done in the garden in Genesis 3, humanity, it seems, is kind of in this de depraved state. Sometimes theologians talk about it like this, of being in sin. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like an identity statement, which to our modern ears, we're like, oh, what that's is that? Uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable, right? And so maybe kind of we want to just talk about then. Okay, so then where is or is there a difference between some of these identity statements of you're a sinner and the action of sinning how do yeah. those two sort of relate because i think we were just talking about sometimes i think in our modern culture we want to separate those two yeah almost to the point of 
where they're not really a part of who we are. Yeah, that our actions are independent from our being. Being, yeah. On some level, right? And Jesus is challenging that when he says it's out of the heart mm-hmm. that essentially sin flows. Sin flows. So he's yeah. actually connecting back, like, no, 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 actually, you can't separate the lust from the internal person. Exactly. Yeah. And the heart, if the heart is sort of the central piece of the human will, mm-hmm. like, ah, what's going on what's there? What's going on like, there? He's yeah. challenging some of those, I think assumptions that me we might prefer because we like this idea of feeling internally like we are good yeah um and being able to separate our actions and there is some truth to this for sure right because Uh, when you even look at the new testament yeah when paul comes in he's writing these letters to some of these churches that are doing just horrendous things right so like we just went through first corinthians last fall last summer and last yeah. fall. And they're arguably less moral than the surrounding community. Exactly. Yeah. Paul yeah. even calls them out. Even the pagans don't do yeah. some of the sexual morality <laughs> that you're doing there. But when Paul begins that letter to the, the church in Corinth, he says, yeah. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, kind of a standard letter to the church of God in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called as saints. Wow. So that's like an identity statement. Yeah. Just 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. That he calls them saints. And that's, you know, language that might be a little bit archaic to a certain degree of, you know, we think of maybe, you know, medieval paintings or St. Francis, St. Francis or things like that. But no, that's a a very common way that Paul uses or descriptor that Paul uses to talk about followers of Jesus in these local churches. And in particular, the church in Corinth, that you go on and read that letter, are doing some really terrible awful, sexually immoral, you know, jealous, envious sorts of things totally. in the, in those sorts of gatherings. And so here, I think you have an example of what Paul is doing, what the New Testament is doing, is on one hand, you have passages that talk about, you know, Ephesians 2, we are dead in our trespasses and sin apart from Jesus. Romans 5, we are in sin, it's, yep. you know, under Adam, that whole thing apart from Jesus. And then when someone comes to know Jesus, place their trust in Jesus, allegiance to Jesus, all these sorts of things, turn from their sin and are part of God's kingdom because of the person work of Jesus, there's this flip, if you will, this mm. identity shift, if mm. you will, where now our primary identity is not Ephesians 2, dead in our trespasses and sin, but is we are saints. We are beloved. Yeah. We are a part of the kingdom, kingdom of God. But then the question then becomes, though, so what about that old identity yeah. and how does that intersect then with like discipleship and our ongoing sort of transformation, yeah. you know, into the image of Jesus? Can I summarize real quick? For sure. So, yeah, go for so it. So like big picture, what I hear you saying is something like human beings uh, in general, uh, we are, you know, one way to say it is we're depraved and we're dignified exactly. in some way. Like yeah. We are made in the image of God, but we're living in a state. Mm-hmm. Um, of sin, not simply we do bad things, but there's something about us, yeah, inherent to us. It as... is like just off the mark, yeah, of God's kingdom. It's not how God, when He envisioned us living, mm-hmm. something about the stain, yeah, or something. There's something in us for sure. Yeah, it's not simply a behavior that is not aligned with God, His heart, and His purposes mm-hmm. in the world. Right. So you have this sort of belonging feel, yeah. So you have this dignified, created in the image of God, and yet fallen, right, is sort of a biblical word. And so you have this fallen, dignified creature. And then you shift to the New Testament. You have, by the work of Jesus, Mm -hmm. right, on the cross, through the resurrection, sending of the Spirit, when you align with him, that state of being of sinner has changed. Has changed, Even if the sinful actions 
continue for a little exactly, bit. Exactly. Yes. Because I think first Corinthians, again, the church in Corinth is one of these, you know, beautiful examples of yeah. this. He's giving them an identity statement. You are saints. Yeah. But then you just read, you know, the next few chapters. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly they're not acting like how at least mm. I would envision a quote saint yeah. to act like. Yeah. And so there's still this aspect. I think Paul talks almost like about a this. delay. There's a delay. And I think Paul is getting at this uh, too, when he's going through even like the book of Romans and people debate, you know, the nuance of Romans seven, but sure. there's this internal struggle that appears to perhaps be happening, you know, in Romans seven, I want to do the right thing, but I don't have the ability to. And so we need deliverance in Jesus to help us mm-hmm. in that direction. In the, in Colossians, Paul talks about putting off the old man and putting on the new. Hmm. And he's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church in Colossae at that point. Yeah. And so even that language there implies there is still this residue, if you will, or this sort of leftover of, in Paul's language, the old man, the hmm. old human, the old way of being. And so the moment that one you know, becomes a follower of Jesus does not automatically, in sort of Christian theology, mean you're just automatically, behaviorally, going mm-hmm. to start acting differently. And Even I, that, if that's the way obvious. that God sees you exactly. and this is, is the, different. This is key, exactly. The, the identity, how God sees us as followers of Jesus is not in that sort of former state of, you know, dead in trespasses and sin. We have been transferred, uh, Peter will talk about, from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Mm-hmm. And so there's this transforming language as far as identity goes, mm-hmm. but then there's still this process, the, the language that's often used in biblical theology is sanctification, mm-hmm. the, this growth, transformation, discipleship that that takes place. And I think it's still important, though, to recognize that when Paul is giving sort of ethical instructions, when the New Testament is giving ethical instructions, it's doing it from a place of live into that new identity that has already been declared and is true about you. Yeah. So it's, it's actually a call to live into what is actually the truest thing about you, hmm. not what is perhaps the most obvious thing at any given moment. Yeah. So like behaviorally at any given moment, my behavior might oftentimes does not reflect the character of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that might be the most obvious thing in that moment. Yeah. But Paul's ethical instructions or Peter, you know, pick your new Testament writer. Their ethical instructions that we read are actually a call to live into not what's actually the most obvious thing yeah. in any given moment. What, what's the, actually the truest thing yeah. about you? That's you are good. in Christ. Yeah. And this is so, this is what we do in worship. This is what we do in reading the scriptures. Mm-hmm. This is what we do sort of in confession and repentance and being prayed for is yeah. we recenter ourselves in that identity. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and even if our behaviors don't align, that doesn't mean we say, well, my identity it's exactly. still in yeah. God, you know, sure. it's still like, okay, no, no, we want congruence. Incru- yes. We want a sense of congruence between who we are and what we do. Exactly. Yeah. We I, want that congruence. For sure. And I think this is where it's really important to get at you know, two things that in particular that stand out here is that one of the most common ways that Paul talks about identity for the, the follower of Jesus is this simple phrase in Christ. Hmm. It's all throughout his, his writings. It's his kind of you know, two words in yeah. Greek, two words in English, but this concept of you are now in Christ is fundamental to the follower of Jesus. Yeah. And that what's true of Jesus is true of us as far as, you know, identity, worth, you know, status, honor, all these sorts of images yeah. that are true of Jesus are now true of us. And in the same way, when Paul's talking about grace, sometimes we now think of grace as, oh, we've been forgiven. Now it doesn't necessarily matter what we do. Not, not everyone thinks that, but sometimes that caricature can be out there. Yeah. But when Paul talks about grace, he's not saying that this is now licensed to now just ignore your behavior because your identity has been transformed. Thank goodness, you know, yeah. wipe the sweat off my brow. No, grace, it, biblically speaking, has this transforming effect if it's actually realized and actually 
applied to yeah. our lives. Yeah. You know, Bonhoeffer talked about cheap grace, right? This idea of, you know, I've got my ticket to heaven, but there's no moral or ethical change that follows suit. When Paul talks about grace, Paul is talking about this aspect of you've been given a gift and gift in the biblical language does not mean no strings attached. Like there's no expectation that comes you know, from us. No, there's actually strings attached, if you will, in that the string attaches that we would say yes to Jesus, show gratitude, show repentance, and live a life that more and more by the power of the spirit aligns with the person and work of Jesus, that we would have the trajectory of yeah, our lives shifted to the person of Jesus. Yeah. And obviously as the church, you know, we sometimes struggle with that and settle yeah. for Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace. But I, I would say more often than not, what I notice is that as people struggle with behaviors mm. that don't align with the kingdom, they forget yeah. their identity. Yeah. And this is where shame takes over. Sure. This is where people then just start to like self-sabotage. Yeah. They're like, well, I guess I'm a failure. I For guess sure. I'm X. God doesn't love me. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. We've just lost connection yeah. to the identity piece, For which sure. is so central to the New Testament. Exactly, yeah. And that's what Paul is saying, like even in the church in Galatians, like what you've begun in the spirit, are you going to now just try to do on your own? And he's mm. calling them back to the work that the spirit has begun in you. Yeah. That's how you continue, not on your own power, not just kind of living in kind of your own sort of, you know, my actions are now what, how I, you know, are fully identified. No, yeah. what's true about you is that you are in Christ the spirit of God is in you and is working to bring more transformation into your life. And so Paul is constantly calling the Christians, whether it's Corinth, Galatia, Ephesus, to remember who they are in Christ and what Christ has done for them as kind of the primary foundation for their transformation. Hmm, and it's good. from that place then that Paul then gives those ethical instructions. I think that flow and that yeah, order that really matters. So it's the grounding in the identity mm-hmm. that allows then for the more aligned or integrated behavior because it's flowing out of that space. Exactly. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. Anything else that would be important to add as we sort of, I don't know. Yeah. I think just one, one thing to just maybe highlight and kind of end with is, and we've, we've talked about this, but just to really bring some clarity to it is that, regardless of where one is in their discipleship to Jesus, that it is fundamentally important to remember number one, their identity in Christ. Okay. And that what Christ has done for them is the truest thing about About them. them. And I think just having that sort of frame and, you know, I would even encourage people if they can, when you read through some of the new Testament letters, just maybe with a highlighter or a pencil or whatever Hmm. circled all the times that Paul has that phrase in Christ and notice how there's a connection from, when Paul says things like you are in Christ or talking about that piece of what it means to be in Christ, how then it's from that place, yeah. those ethical instructions, those moral commands flow from that. That's good. And you can begin to see then, okay, what does it mean to live an ethical life is not just sort of, oh, I have to shape my behavior outward, you know, external mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Not to downplay the importance of ethics yeah. and behavior at all, but the way that Christian theology, biblical theology talks about these things starts with, this fundamental identity piece. And it it goes back to what what God has desired from the very beginning. We were created in his image. Sin has brought a stain to that, but we are being, according to Romans 8, transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. Corinthians says, from one degree of glory to the next. Well, I really like what you said earlier about what is most obvious about us. You know, if someone was to look at us from the outside and be like, "Uh," you know, Mm. is not necessarily what is most true. Yeah. About us. I think that's a profound yeah. statement. And sometimes we settle for the obvious. Yeah. 
uh, at the expense of the true. The true. Yeah. Yeah, that's and good. I think the call biblically is to remember what is the truest thing about you. Yeah, we are in that's Christ, good. which is ultimately a, I don't know, maybe I don't know if this is true. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is ultimately a relational belonging mm-hmm. connectedness yeah, piece for sure. Uh, it's sort of that in. Yeah, you're with. With you're, yeah. yeah, totally. And I think yeah, when Paul is, you can do a whole podcast on this. So yeah. it'll be brief here. But the whole thing that Paul is referencing when he says you are now in the beloved, you are part of the kingdom of God, when the scriptures use that language, or you're mm-hmm. in Christ, it's fundamentally about relational connection with God as it's intended yeah. to be. Sin has severed yeah. that relation. Sometimes we think of sin as more or less about rules and breaking of rules, mm-hmm. but it's really about the severing and the destruction yeah. over time of relationship, both so the, to God and to others. So the relational severing actually creates a state of being. Yeah, for sure. And it's the relational reconnection that reconnects that relational state of being, being yeah. that affects what we do. What we do, yeah. And it's from relationship, from that identity in relationship in Christ. Yeah, that's that good. again, what we're saying over and over here is ethics and behavior, all those things flow yeah, from that's that. Good. So that's good. And uh, just before we end, just want to clarify. Oh, yeah. So we're not going to be doing any cutting room floors for the next few weeks. Few weeks, yeah. And we'll la- relaunch the beginning of July. Yeah, middle of July. Middle of July. Middle of July. We're both going on vacation, <laughs> so when we get back, Sounds I good. don't have a calendar in front of me, but in a few weeks. So. Sounds good. Cool.